right. Welcome to Triple Feature. We are back with our fourth episode. Our, and Our third movie of Spooky October. Our third movie of Spooky October. If you haven't been listening to us, we do a... A theme every month this month obviously spooky october scary movies or just horror thriller type things that people are already kind of interested in watching in october anyway we started week one with connor's pick cloverfield second week was freddie's pick blood quantum and this week we're going to be discussing my pick which was the thing from 1982 and we will first we will be going over all of our recently watched so if we want to just back. get right into it um yeah. connor what were your recently watched movies uh my recently watched since i beat starfield on xbox i went through a rabbit hole of watching a bunch of stuff but to quickly go through it, I watched The Scariest Story Ever, a Mickey Mouse Halloween Spooktacular. It's one of the newer Mickey Mouse shorts, uh, just a Halloween special of it. I watched Pan's Labyrinth for the first time, really enjoyed it. I watched uh, Frankenstein, the original 1931 for the first time, also liked it. And then I also rewatched uh, Jordan Peele's us Ooh, and yeah, still like love it yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but then as i was watching the mickey mouse one me and tasha ended up watching the once upon a studio uh that they released and i really enjoyed the short film i uh unlike probably some people can separate disney as a studio versus disney like artist if that makes sense, because to me, the short film doesn't feel like what they were trying to do with Wreck-It Ralph 2, uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, where it's look at all the IP that we own yeah, at stuff versus like a celebration of look at what we've created for a mm. hundred years. Okay. And it was so amazing like that to see like all these characters that they've created and to like not just be like, Oh, recognize them like Leonardo DiCaprio meme, like, oh, look it, it's that one. <laughs> um, but it was cool, like seeing Chicken Little or Meet the Robinsons and like that era of Disney, but also like uh the Cinderella princess calling out uh Eric from Little Mermaid to get his dog, and like the princesses and princes are all connected. Mm-hmm. And it was just cute, adorable, and to me it was just something of like more of again like more celebrating the artists that that walk through those doors and everything and the art that has touched millions of people at this point and is still going to continue on i also watched once upon a studio yesterday it's just like a short 12 minute little thing that's on disney right now and uh celebrating the last 100 years that Disney has been, well, really just like the animation studio, Disney has been making and creating um, animated films. And there were a lot of moments that I liked. And I felt like, you know, I felt like I kind of agree with you, like it was like a celebration of everything that's been created in the last 100 years and so much of it that I love so much. Speaking of, there was like a, a Baymax sighting 
so y'all will like yes. that um i was all <laughs> baymax is back um and with that i do think that it wasn't necessarily like super you know like disney as a corporation but i, I definitely could have gone without like mickey looking up into walt disney's portrait longingly as if he's some you know amazing the person yeah i could have gone me, with that that like too like they didn't need to do that and i just felt like it kind of tainted the whole thing for me because it just really rubbed me the wrong way and everything else see, was to so me awesome. to me i read it more of like again viewing them as artists not as everything else because i agree Walt Disney as a studio is very bad. Like they need to pay their actors and also like the past itself and things like that. And Walt Walt Disney as a person also has a very bad past. But to me, Mickey looking at Walt was just more of a look at look at where we've come, basically. Because it could have like- just been Disney being like, we made these things. And now like after Walt's death, they're like, Disney's done as a company. And it's the fact that like, there's so many different generations of Disney of like through the eighties and the nineties Renaissance. And that, like I was calling out like the weird two thousands era and stuff that like, I think like that's what I got more out of that of like the legacy is still continuing on that. it That at this point, the legacy isn't Walt Disney. The legacy is Mickey mouse. Yeah. And that no matter what these characters will live on more than Walt Disney. Yeah. And I kind of like, appreciate i kind of appreciate that point so i don't know freddie you're gonna have to watch it and give us your interpretation of it i guess my since we kind of did my on only it. yeah i i, I kind of <laughs> wish i didn't realize that both of y'all had watched it i kind of wish that i would have watched it now like we could have had a little mini one but yeah we no, should have I'll, probably told you, you about said it. it's 12 Sorry. minutes long or no it's nine minutes long uh i think it was 12 minutes on disney it said 12 minutes but that could have just been three minutes of yeah minutes, to it's be very honest. short oh, it's yeah, supposed... I'm looking at letterbox it's, letterbox honestly the it's premise nine, is but... just like uh it's disney it's the studio the animation studio and everybody all of the like real people leave and then all of the portraits of these like characters, characters that, they made. that are in the studio like come to life and it's about like it's the 100 year anniversary we're gonna take a picture and so almost okay. every single like primary character that's ever been in a disney movie. in a disney film comes yes. together for this like group picture and it's wholesome and cute and it's nostalgic a lot of yeah. times because a lot of it it's older stuff but yeah Ooh, they got the mushrooms from fantasia <laughs> that's what i want to see the mushroom butt like i said wiggle. main characters <laughs> uh i'm excuse me i think the mushroom from fantasia is the main character all of them okay <laughs> they do have a fantasia reference i will say that but yeah. the main that's what i'm talking about there's a the, reference the main to thing just is, about every disney animated yes. film but the main thing is that this short was supposed to play before disney's wish it actually came out early because they just premiered it on abc and they put it oh, on okay. Disney Plus. So it is oh, okay. gonna play before Disney's wish as well. But the only thing I have a gripe with the short is that I was complaining about this with Tasha, is that it seems like they re-rigged a lot of like remodeled a lot of like older Disney, like 3D Disney animated people, like i.e. like uh Chicken Little or Meet the Robinsons, and they look like the so good. Looks different. It like they look like what Encanto looks like, and I'm like, okay. if Disney can do that, 
then why don't they do the idea that I've had for a while, which is just remaster a lot of, instead of doing live action movies, just make the movies look like what they look like nowadays. Like Toy Story, make Toy Story look like what Toy Story 4 look, looks like now. But then my biggest gripe with the with the short is that there's so much original 2D hand-drawn stuff in it because they have to do that for the short. And yeah. it proves that Disney can still do 2D hand-drawn animation and they still refuse to give us a full-length feature film that's 2D animated. The last one was Princess and the Frog. And I'm just like, guys. They're too busy, like, they're too busy <sighs> pumping all of their resources into live action remakes yeah. of their Disney classic yeah. 2D animations. I was about to say, did they bring <laughs> did they did they use well, Simba from the Lion King for real? remake? I don't think they would they would even consider that animation. It's crazy. They don't. Well, I'm like, that's a whole fucking 3D lion. Yeah. Okay. That's an animated lion. <laughs> well the issue is is that they're the thing was is that Disney has always been the top dog when it comes to animation and other studios have been trying to catch up to their level of quality until studios realize that they need to do something different in order to break the mold. Those studios being like Sony Animation or DreamWorks with like Mitchells versus the Machines, Spider-Verse, and yeah. How to Train Your yeah. Dragon and stuff. And now Disney with Wish is trying to do what their competitors are doing. And it's something where like, I don't understand why they're refusing to like go back to their older ways or like, actually tried to like do something new because again like another the film issue is... that came out with them is pneumonia and with pneumonia like that also had 2d and stuff but they killed blue sky as a company because that doesn't fit with the yeah. disney pixar mold and it's just like ugh, like like it's just my biggest issue of like every pixar and disney movie now just looks the same and it's just kind of like anonymous it's just kind of mush at this point versus issue... just like actually pump it out the issue with Disney, and it's an issue with a lot of major studios yes. this year and recently, uh, the people that are in charge are not artists. They're, they're, <laughs> tech, they're tech giants. Uh, Bob yep. Iger has no experience with making art. And that's the problem with a lot of studios. If, if you, if you want to really get into that's the problem with Netflix. That's the problem yeah. with yeah. Apple. It's I know. like the people that are it's in just... charge don't actually care about quality art because they don't know what it is. Yeah. I think yeah. I think that like like you're saying like di like Disney's on another level. I I don't think that it's so much that there aren't other studios that make um f like films of the same quality. It's that Disney is a Disney's essentially a corporation with like in unfathomably large pool of money to put into projects but even yeah. with that they're still a safe company like that's why they're doing all of the live action remakes is because it's a really safe way to make money hand over fist and like disney isn't necessarily going to take a risk if they don't have to like disney's not necessarily in the business of taking a risk for the sake of taking a risk Right. Like yeah. they're they're already at the top. Like, who are they fighting with? Yeah. Like, it, oh, they see all these other they see like Sony and like how popular into the spider versus. And it's like, OK, well, we'll make a movie like that. Uh, clearly, that formula is already established. We can make a movie like that and it will make money. Like, yeah. Well, I feel like they're trying to do something similar to Spider-Verse and similar to 
Nimona, which is a Netflix animated film that came out this year. And with like mixing 3D and 2D and it's their new movie Wish and it looks like shit. <laughs> I honestly That's I haven't seen anything about it this. It looks so bad. I it's like they're trying trailer. to kind of pop like they're trying to kind of copy that trend. They're playing catch up. And it, do- it it honestly doesn't even look like it's finished. It doesn't look like it's fully rendered. It just looks like crap. It's just And if that's the yeah, case, to, it's to, because they didn't want to spend a lot exactly. of money on the risk. No, they don't because they don't want to pay animators. That's why they're making live action movies. And to not, end it, and not um, original animated films like their legacy is. I mean, I I find this like 100-year short film kind of ironic because they're celebrating what made them a powerhouse and they're not even doing that anymore oh yeah (laughs) it's it's really it's it was just a little annoying to me because i was just like ah it is great like you you do love disney movies for a reason because they're good but at the same time i just couldn't i was rolling my eye i was also rolling my eyes because they there's like an issue with like using people's likeness after they're dead that I don't like. And they did that with Robin Williams. Oh, okay. They went to Robin Williams family, got permission. And it's also added footage from the original Aladdin. I hope so. It's deleted, recorded. It is. It's came out and it's the same with any other actors. Like the Peter Pan is one of them. And it's just the Peter Pan. It's the Peter Pan line that has been used to 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 this day of here we go. Here we go. Yeah. It, no, it I wasn't. It that. wasn't any. It wasn't anything new. Anything new is all stuff that they have in their vault or archives. And if the actor was dead, they went to the estate and got permission. Specifically with Robin Williams, they got permission from the estate. I heard something recently about Robin Williams' daughter. So I wonder if Zelda. I wonder if she's angry about something else that is using Robin Williams likeness and not yes, it's his. just chap Jeppy. Yeah. It's just chappy, uh, whatever it's called the other AI stuff and things that isn't from Disney and, and other stuff. And it's just yeah. her saying like, it's weird seeing TikToks of her dad's voice. That isn't her dad. Yeah. That's, so, that's oh, gross. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, I, I had, I had questions about that cause it made me a little, it made, it gave me a little icky feeling, but I yeah, mean, no, being everything's, up, everything's good. all good. Yes. It sounds like, um, I'll I'll, I'll watch all it. Intended. Um, I but from what you all, from what you all are telling me, it sounds like a a good uh nostalgia like walk like nostalgia trip short film, but at the same time, there's like a cognitive dissonance between Disney Separate as a company the art from now the versus yes. Disney as a company. The, during the times that they're referencing yeah i mean it's 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 it was a little frustrating i i did enjoy it though is there anything else that you watched that you want to talk about yes i watched uh black panthers a documentary by agnes verda oh my gosh agnes Since- is getting so much love on this podcast that's because agnes deserves all the love if you haven't been listening we've mentioned her two weeks in a row three weeks in a row this will For- be the third week yeah yes, yes. we mentioned her every we should episode. just rename the um, podcast agnes 
Varda. Triple feature featuring Agnes Varda <laughs> in memory. Um, so Black Panthers is a 28 minute documentary about Agnes visiting uh, California and just happened to stumble across a Black Panther protest about uh, freeing uh, Huey Newton, uh, one of the Black Panther leaders uh, that uh, was wrongfully put into jail. Um, what she does in 28 minutes is so effective and so great that it's, yeah, it just cements her as one of the greatest directors. Like, I need it, to watch this it's, immediately. It's I'm, I'm so good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, like most of the reviews I was reading from other people that I follow on Letterboxd, it's like the way that she used, like the way that she's a documentarian, like, especially with the Black Panther um black panthers is that like it's a bunch of stuff where like like one person would have revealed like in school you just read that these people were protesters but then at some schools and stuff like they're they were the enemy in a way and and it's just like great to see a documentary of like how peaceful their protest is it's just them in a park singing songs <laughs> just if like... there's one thing agnes is gonna do agnes yeah. is gonna be on the right side of history and Agnes is going to have the best take on something. Well, like a lot of her yeah. films are directly tied to like different um, historical events. Like she went to California, like specifically seeking out like to make a documentary about the civil rights movement that was happening. And like spe- obviously specifically with the Black Panthers, like that's what it's yeah. about. But even um, even one sings and the other doesn't. It's not a documentary. It's a narrative movie, but um, she it it like abortion is a big part of that movie, and like the fight for abortion is a big part of that movie, and she made it during the fight for abortion rights in France, like which also she was part of. She of signed the document. She, she signed the document of all of the all the French women that's that said we got abortions, arrest us, and then they gave it to the the French government and was like, now what? Goat status. Yeah. But awesome. yeah, but with with Black Panthers, it's just, yeah, like the end like all the imagery and stuff is very good, very effective, and it's just a very uh good look at America at that time and stuff with the footage. Uh yeah. and then the last thing I watched was the thing from outer space, which is the original the thing. So I'll probably talk about that once when we get into the thing. Love it. All right, real quick. Um, the, with the with the Black Panther Panthers, it's been a minute since I watched it, but I will say, Agnes Varda as like a documentarian, it is like the perfect person to like really capture the humanity in a, like a sort of situation like that because yeah. it because her work is so self-reflexive where like it's not just it's not just let me list these are the facts this is what happened it's like it's it's almost like you're getting a look into how you would feel being at this place at this time because she is just so earnest about how she feels just like being in this and witnessing all of this it's also yeah and and the people that she's interviewing are kind of taken back by that of, of her earnestness. And you can kind of see that of like, they probably got interviewed by other people and got attacked or like other things. And she's just like, no, I want to hear your story. And they're like, Oh really? 
uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, like there, there, there was even like some where like they were like, "Do you want more?" And she's like, "No, I think we're good." And they're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 it's just so kind and and earnest that like yeah. they're they're just kind of taken back, even though like again, like the protest is very, very, very peaceful, and it's just they're just like, yeah, like we just want to you know document this, and they're like, "Oh, okay." That's super cool. Yeah, I um need to get on my Agnes Varda kick soon maybe next year because i kind of have like a plan any any time that's any time that's later than right now is already too late but you'll get there and when you get there you're gonna be like i should have been watching this way sooner I'm gonna say, <laughs> i know i know but yeah. you're here now and that's what that's what matters i love it um all right freddie what were your recently watched so i only have one recently watched um However, it is David David Cronenberg's 1981 film Scanners. Oh, I know who David Cronenberg is. Yeah. So, Connor, have you seen Scanners? I have not yet, but I know of Scanners and David Cronenberg. That's another director I need to, you know, go go through. I've seen a (laughs) couple, especially that and Video Drone. And I, it makes me not want to watch any of his other movies. So, (laughs) here's the thing. Here's what. Here's what's funny. Scanners is a movie that I've known about since I was a child. Like my mom told me about Scanners, but obviously she was not going to let me watch Scanners at the time. <laughs> that I don't remember why it came up, but she was just telling me like, oh, it's this movie. Um, but don't watch it. So, yeah, it was like there was no way she was going to show me it because it's like gra- it's graphic. Like the the when you think of the movie when you think of the the movie clip of the dude's head exploding, oh, I know. That's I know the scanners. Scene. Yeah, like that's the thing from scanners. Yep. You've seen it. Seen it gets that. referenced so much for a movie that apparently nobody has watched because I thought I was like, oh, you know, it it kind of fits into the horror theme, and like you know, it's David Cronenberg. Like I've known about scanners forever. Like people know scanners. People have seen scanners. <laughs> so I asked my wife, Faith Ann. If she's seen Scanners, I thought she would have at least heard of it. Zero clue. Then I asked your husband, Cameron, and he also had zero clue what which, the hell Scanners which neither was. of those things are surprising. But here's the thing. I thought it was a general enough, like, I thought it was like a colloquial kind of movie that people had at least, like, known about because the the head explosion scene in the movie is so famous. Yeah. So I figured more people had known about it than I had originally uh, thought. So it's only. But then, but then before this recording, you were like, I watched Scanners and Connor was like, oh, that's not as obscure as your normal picks. And I was like, I've never heard of that. (laughs) Yeah. So even when, even when I thought that I had picked a movie, that was a little bit more well-known. I just, I still didn't. Um, I've heard of it, so you're waiting on yeah. my Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, anybody, anybody listening, uh, you know, you've seen Scanners? You know, show me, show me some, show me some love. <laughs> Let me feel head. like I'm not so alone. Let's see your this. heads explode. <laughs> yeah. Freddie's trying not to pick the obscure things, but. Oh, I'm no. still gonna pick the obscure things, but Always. I was trying to pick something a little bit more, and it fits. It fits the month. It's a little spooky. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little creepy. It's, it's Cronenberg. It's uh, it's 
it's telekinesis. It's scan like the scanners are the people that can they can like read people's minds and then they have like psychic abilities to I mean obviously blow people's heads up. They they fight each other with it as well. So Interesting. You have the you have the two groups. You have the one group of people that is basically led by a it's it's led by one of the scanners that basically wants to get all of the scanners to work together to take over the world. And then the main character is working in tandem with like the science facility that produces the medication that lowers or like neutralizes the scanner abilities because the scan the scanners themselves are they're social outcasts because when they're in big groups of people they like they basically don't have any control over like whose mind minds they're reading they get this like like just information overload of like everything around them so they're they're very like uh strange no not they're 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 misfits <laughs> sounds, essentially sounds like a Cronenberg movie yeah yeah and so essentially the thing like obviously the reason that i was interested in watching it is because like i had heard about it when i was a kid and um my like my mom had told me about it i didn't watch it because my mom was not going to have me watch a movie where somebody's head blows up in the middle of it um but so it's I like I, I had I had known about it, but obviously like the, that's like the big thing that I had known from it. So I'm like, OK, I'm thinking it's going to have all of these like body horror, like, you know, practical effects going on in it. But honestly, the biggest thing that the biggest thing that I was impressed by with the movie is the editing and specifically the sound editing, because but most of the movie does not have any practical effects in it. It's like a couple big scenes. But everything else is pretty much just like the characters, even when they're using their psychic abilities, um, even when they're scanning, it's mostly just them like making these facial gestures and like contorting their bodies around in pain and discomfort. But the what really sells that effect is the sound cues that they use so like for the scanning from when they're scanning it's like there's a low pass filter on all the audio like everything almost sounds like it's underwater and so like the further you get into the movie you know they they start to utilize those sound cues to like show like they can they can basically tell the audience what's happening without having to like literally explain every single thing just by how the audio works in the movie so that was the thing that I was really impressed by. Cool. I have a little more in yeah, my yeah. letterbox review if you wanna if you wanna check it out. But what was your rating? Yeah. I gave it a four and a four out of five. And then I gave it a rent it, specifically because it is kind of polarizing around the actors. A yeah. lot of people think that the acting is outright bad. And just be old if it doesn't old. do it for you, it doesn't do it for you. Yeah, it's and so, but the thing is, like you like 
for me when I'm watching it, I'm thinking about the fact that like these characters don't have any like real social skills because of the conditions that they've been put in. So like for me, it, it kind of like works in the realm of the story. So it didn't really take me out of it. But that's why I'm saying like rent it and see if you like it first. Because for me personally, I would buy it. Yeah. But yeah, in, I, de- I in general, yeah. know how I feel about David Cronenberg movies. <laughs> I don't think I need to see it. <laughs> I've seen two of them. I've quite, seen Crash and quite Crimes a, of the quite Future. A figure. And, I, and I hated Crimes of the Future. Hated it so much. Yeah, well, to be fair, I don't... I mean, I haven't seen Crash. Uh, I don't ever really hear a whole lot, a whole lot of uh, great things about Crash, though. To be fair, you have you haven't heard great things about Crash. Yeah, I I don't I I think Crash was pretty good. Okay. I, oh, I might I might need to see it. The only things I've heard about Crash I just knew that just was like, the movie everybody like named on. No, that's the other Crash. There's the there, other crash. There's two crashes. There's two crashes. So How many there's, a, there's a crash <laughs> by David Cronenberg, and then there's the crash that won the best picture at the Oscars. Yes, that's the like one that that's the one that people the meet. Bad on. one. Yeah, that's the. Are bad. they are they even remotely related to Not each at other? All. No. Okay. Other than just well, same title. <laughs> just the title. That's good to know. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. looking. Because I did look at. I was like, oh, crash, and I'm reading the description, and I was like, sitting here, I'm like. This isn't the this isn't no. the one that won best David picture. David Cronenberg's crash wouldn't yeah. be caught dead at the Oscars. I I mean, reading the description <laughs> for what the movie's about, uh-huh. I mean, I kind of figured. <laughs> no, I was like, this the is Academy very surprising does to not me. Mess with stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. But they give the other one best picture, so that tells you something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for our audience. There are two crashes. Yes. One is very bad and one is pretty good. <laughs> and the one that's pretty good did not win Best Picture at the yeah. Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> good to know. To be fair, I let's I'll say this, obviously, I haven't seen either of them. <laughs> Neither have I. <laughs> oh gosh. All right, well, let's get into my recently watched. Um, I also watched Once Upon a Studio, but we had a pretty good convo about that, so I'll move on. I watched Hocus Pocus from 1993, which is obviously a rewatch. It's one of my favorite October movies. I love Hocus Pocus. Yeah, Yeah. it's amazing. I I freaking love it. Um, It has a lot to do with... It has a lot to do with... Growing up in the 90s, which I did. Um, but yeah, it's it's great. It's a lot of fun. But I did not watch Hocus Pocus 2 last year when it came out. So I watched it yesterday for the first time. And it was fine. Mm. You know? Yeah. I don't know. We, we didn't need it. You know? Yeah. I like, think Hocus Pocus, the first one, is kind of like a lightning in a bottle movie. It really movie. is. Like, There's absolutely no reason to revisit it. Yeah. Other than to bring <laughs> those three people back, like Bette Midler, it's crazy because she's seventy-seven years old, and she does not look a day older than she did in nineteen ninety-three. Focus, focus, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, Sarah Jessica Park, Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker, definitely has aged, but she's still beautiful. I think aging is great. I'm not an anti-aging person. 
she's gorgeous but i just was like kind of stunned by Bette midler's like i'm like she's like moving fast too she's like dancing i'm like damn this woman is she actually a witch it's a (laughs) documentary exactly (laughs) Bette midler oh we don't want to we don't want to lean into any of those jewish oh yeah was that stereotypes uh, uh, conspiracy theories kind of listen that's not what i was going for (laughs) we don't want to lean into that i was just trying to be funny uh no but we we love her uh anyway i had a good time watching it even though i was just like whatever i didn't feel like we needed it i like hocus pocus too me and todd tasha tasha really likes the first one her family really likes the first one um but then we yeah we saw the second one last year and we we thought it was fun we we were honestly like more surprised at the disney plus quality of it that we're like we're kind of shocked that it didn't release in theaters i think it would have killed in theaters but yeah eh. but yeah like it didn't need to be made but it was still like this was fun like yeah i was entertained and it was kind of like moving at the end actually because uh you know uh what's her name um winifred she gets her like redemptive moment yeah and it was really moving and i was like this is really sweet not because this movie is particularly good but because i know and love these characters i did like the cvs scene though that scene yeah the what scene when they're in the pharmacy oh yeah that was hilarious they're like trying all of these like beauty products and these teenagers have told them that there's children's got the souls in them yeah. and that's what's keeping people young and so yeah. they just like go into this walgreens uh, and they start putting on lotion and and uh sarica sarica jesus <laughs> her name's sarica sarica we're just gonna call her sarica now but she she looks at um one of the bottles and she goes retinol what a lovely name for a child. <laughs> now the other one, she pulls out a face mask. She goes like, look, they got the skin of a child too. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And they start eating it. They eat the yeah. face mask. It's really funny. It was really, it was a very funny scene. I liked all the musical numbers. Uh, but yeah, and then I watched Fair Play, which was a film that released last week on Netflix. Straight to Netflix starring uh, Phoebe Dynever and Alden Ehrenreich. Kind of like a somewhat of a, I wouldn't, I don't know. It's kind of being billed as like an erotic thriller, but it's not. It's more about <laughs> like power dynamics in soft thriller. relationships and in the workplace. So um, anyway, yeah, it's like a lot of, a lot of gender politics kind of um so i gave it like a four no i didn't i gave it a three and a half that's what i did yeah three and a half i was kind of leaning towards a six i didn't love the setting that much uh and the world building that much but uh yeah i mean i would give it a, i would give it a watch if that interests you if those character if those actors interest you which is what drew me to the film was those two actors if you know anything about those two people but i really want to talk about my Scream franchise completion. Okay. I watched Scream 6. Let's go. Finally. Let's go. <laughs> Cutter's um, hyped. Core fucking four. The core four, baby. The core four. <laughs> They're so good. They're That's so all good. I have to say um, about it. No, I mean, yeah. I talked about Scream 5 last week. Five and cream. about how much... Oh yeah, five cream. I forgot. Five cream. 
I talked about it a little bit last week about how much I was laughing. I would say with Scream 6, I didn't, I, I wasn't laughing as much. Uh, and I think it's the absence of Dewey and, um, you know, RIP and the, I don't know, is it just a little bit more, it was like a new setting, I but I think I liked it more, even though, oh, yeah. even though I didn't think it was as funny as Five Cream, right? Five yes. cream because yeah. it's the five, five is the S. Got it. Yes, the five is the S. <laughs> That's why the fans um, stopped at that. <laughs> I, I think I liked it more than five cream because of I don't know. There was just like it was just a little bit more succinct, and I don't know. Yeah, I enjoyed. I it. love. Um, I love the new Scream franchise that these the the directors are the people that did Ready or Not. And oh yeah! I love... Oh yeah! And Samara Weaving was in this one. Yes, because she was supposed to be in Five Cream. She was actually supposed to be Jenny Ortega's spot at the beginning. She was supposed oh, to be. Really? She was supposed to mimic the Drew Barrymore scene in the first movie. Yeah, but because well, of scheduling the conflicts, Drew Barrymore scene in this one. <laughs> yes, because of scheduling conflicts, they had to push it to that movie. And the thing oh, that nice. I love about Scream Six is the setting of how they really yeah. capitalize using New York. Well, quote yeah. unquote, New York, because um, it was shot in Canada. But um, <laughs> I know a lot about this movie because it's it's one of my favorite movies of this year. And it's like yeah. the, w- the way that they use like the bodega scene is awesome. The apartment scene and like the subway. So like the, all the set pieces are so great and creative and they really like maximize putting Ghostface in a city versus yeah. like another new release that I watched this year, which was Evil Dead Rise, where they take Evil Dead and put it into an apartment building. I just don't think they did anything different where the whole movie, I felt like this could have been a cabin in the woods. Like there's no point of putting them in an apartment where like this could have been the same thing. Whereas the Scream franchise has always been at Woodsboro, but then Mm -hmm. now it's like finally like in a different setting and it worked so well. And I think that everyone is on like full cylinder like amazing and and yeah it's uh, not as funny but yeah we get uh uh we get uh Peyton back yeah and but. yeah uh that was interesting it wasn't as funny but I do think like maybe the kills were a little bit more intriguing and entertaining oh, yeah. and I think that's what like elevated and even the twist bit. I really liked the, the twist at the scene. end was cool putting it in New York and and all of that. I really liked um the the tension of just like a full subway and like Oh yeah. And there's yeah, so many really, it was really well done. It was a it was a cool sequence. So Trains many references to horror horror really making a comeback. Horror like yeah. there, there there's so many references like yes. I, like cuz I've listened to a podcast of the directors yeah. talk about it and like on D- the dead meat I podcast and they talked about how they have so many references to like horror icons because the film takes place around halloween and like yeah. that subway scene it's just like a who's who of like <laughs> yeah i saw the shining twins and i saw the <laughs> us jumpsuits and i There's saw the babadook the babadook yeah i so 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 what yeah i guess with five cream they referenced a lot of those things with the dialogue and in Scream 6, yeah. they referenced those things with the, the set pieces and the costumes and things like that. So but, uh, I oh. thought it was cool. 
I'm excited for the next one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's pretty much it for our recently, our recently watched. watched. So that leads us to The Thing. The John thing. Carpenter's The Thing. Yes. It's very important to give John Carpenter his props because well, because he is an icon. Well, because He's there an is icon. There is a 1950s The Thing, and then yeah. there's also a prequel to John Carpenter's The Thing called The Thing <laughs> that I was made that. in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's very key to kind of say when you're talking about The Thing to at least say John Carpenter's so that people understand, oh, that very one. Very true. It's kind of saying, I like, think... I watched Avatar. Oh, which one? The blue people or the anime? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, I do think that John Carpenter's The Thing is the most iconic and famous and celebrated The Thing. And yeah. so yes. I do want to give credit to our audience. Y'all probably know what we're talking about. <laughs> the Thing. Yeah. But... So somebody's not, somebody's like sitting there like, I watched the wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> I watched the 2011 one. Oh. <laughs> We made sure to put the year Damn. in the in the yes. title. So 1982. Um, so Freddie and I had not seen the thing before this past Saturday. And we went to see it at the Redford Theater, which is in Detroit. And we gave Detroit a hard time last week, ragging on its, you know, hate lack for movies theaters. and lack of theaters uh but yeah they they do the old movies pretty well we watched a 35 millimeter original 1982 35 millimeter reel in a packed house i mean yeah. it was full to the brim of people and it was we were loud. in the balcony, and the we balcony the was balcony packed. And the balcony was super packed. It was, Damn. it was rowdy. I oh, mean, yeah. people were uh, clapping and mm -hmm. cheering, uh, specifically during the opening credits, which I think you actually missed because you were getting yeah, our I heard friends people clapping. But was people, it just at the names? It was just at the names. Okay, it was just like. At the at the costume designer, at the special effects guy, at the cinematographer, Ennio Morricone for composer. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was like, I know that guy. <laughs> I was like, I know him. <laughs> clap, clap, clap. Um, <laughs> but it was rowdy. People were um, cheering, and you know, as a as a, as a first time experience, um, I didn't really know exactly like what was happening but um they would like clap at certain shots oh yeah um like specifically they clapped um when the dog is walking down the hallway and then you see basically the profile of the dog looking into the room and then we see a silhouette like shadow of a person of a character and we don't necessarily know who that character is but People like clapped at that shot, yeah. which is a it's a beautiful shot, which we'll get into like the cinematography of this film. But oh man, it was just like a lot of fun. Freddie, do you want to talk about what you thought about that experience? About seeing it at the Redford? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, I just think the Red it's always a good time at the Redford. Yeah. Um, 
and it was it's nice because especially for this showing it's like clearly this is a movie this is a theater full of people that have like a deep admiration for this movie yeah so they're like very into it and it's like yes they're they're clapping and stuff but it's never it's never they never like overstayed their welcome in it they weren't like interrupting more of the movie than just like it's like oh yes this is like this is that shot Mm -hmm. and then it was done it Mm -hmm. wasn't like oh we need to stand up and like quote the movie the whole time or anything like that so yeah they they gave their appreciation without ruining it for people like us who were experiencing it for the first time and actually i think it added to the experience in my opinion yeah Uh, i just yeah it was amazing like we had such a good time uh i honestly think that seeing it in this way probably has has an impact on how much i like it (laughs) oh absolutely (laughs) and i do think like that's to be said (laughs) for like everything you watch like that's why I'm such a champion for movie theaters and like seeing films in huge audiences. I mean, God, I just remember in 2018 watching Avengers Endgame or 2019 watching Avengers Endgame yeah. in theaters and like, you know, fast forward four years and now I'm just like kind of annoyed with Marvel. But at the time, like we it was were, an event that was peak yeah like movie going and so i just and so it it kind of like it 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 definitely impacts the way you because every time you think about that movie you're going to think about that awesome time that you had at the movie theater watching it with all these other people yeah so there's some positive you know reinforcement there so yeah (laughs) we love the redford this is a big um I guess like yeah, I mean like adver- it's we're giving them free advertising. Heartbreak feels good in a place like this. We're about two lines away from that. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I mean, it sounds it sounds like my experience with with the Music Box Theater. Like my favorite movie theater experience this year was at the beginning of the year. I saw Freaky Friday at uh, the Music Box Theater, and it oh, felt God. like a giant sleep. It felt like the same experience you guys have with the thing, where people were clapping at specific moments, but no one was quoting the movie. For, yeah. for people that haven't seen it but it was like like when jamie lee curtis comes out in her new look you know mm-hmm. with the with the short people hair clap. like at, like <laughs> the place erupted like it wasn't clapping like it was like the spider-man like the portal <laughs> scene from spider-man like everyone's like oh my god <laughs> and it was it, it transformed my viewing experience of a movie that i already loved to now like oh this is like my favorite movie of like send it to space like this is great like like this is cinema and yeah. and, mm-hmm. and it was that and i told freddie like i've watched uh robert zemeckis's i want to hold your hand as well at the music box theater on a 35 millimeter print and that also like changed my view of that movie for again like a movie that yeah. is slowly becoming my favorite movie of all time and just seeing it on 35 millimeter it's like oh this is like again like cemented in which like so i could i can only yeah. imagine seeing which the I- thing yeah, it was it was a great experience. What for, were you gonna yeah, say, for Freddie? Sure. I was gonna say, I, I was gonna say, like I didn't even know about I want to hold your hand until you showed me it, and like even you showing me it, and like how excited you were about it, like definitely yeah. shaped how I felt about that because we were having a good ass time watching oh, that movie. That movie, I want to hold your hand. Hilarious. That is hilarious. That is yeah. probably a movie we'll get we'll get to. That that is something I'm thinking yeah. about trying to fit a month to talk about trying that to, movie. Trying to slide in there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Cool. So, I love that movie. Yeah. Well, um, we can get into the actual the, movie. The thing. Uh, we can get <laughs> into the thing. 
Yeah, we can get into it. So I wanted to start off with uh, giving props to my guy, Ennio Morricone, who, R.I.P., but who made his bones, which I don't know if that's the right phrase that I would use. I just mean like he is most known for his Western scores. Yeah. So I thought it was really interesting him being paired in this sci-fi horror kind of thing. Um, well, and I also think that it kind of fits because yeah, if you think about it, they are on some sort of frontier, like undiscovered yeah kind of like wild north <laughs> yeah or wild south you know whatever i think uh-huh. they're in antarctica so wherever they that are. is yeah um so it's like yeah it's kind of like this frontier kind of like vibe but it's you know snow and i i was gonna say one of the one of the things that i wrote down when we were watching it was that very similar to a lot of westerns it has this like man versus nature thing yeah. going on in it. And so it's like that. I mean, that kind of like ties into it as well. Like very much like a sort of. It has like the elements of a Western. It definitely has some ties to Western. And so that's why when I first saw his name in the credits, I was like, interesting. But it really and then the score wasn't it didn't sound like his typical Western vibe, but it uh had a little tinge of it and so i just thought that was really cool and i wanted to give my props to my guy Inio. he's very cool it is and very dead it is interesting too because of the fact (laughs) well it is interesting too because of the fact that uh he scored it versus john carpenter because most of john carpenter's movies he scores it himself and mm-hmm. especially like John Carpenter did Halloween. And then before the thing he did, he scored uh, Escape from New York and also The Fog. And so it's the first time that he didn't do his own score. So it I don't know if maybe it sounds different from his other Western scores um, because of the fact of like maybe John had a lot of influence in, in the studio. <laughs> like maybe he was like in there almost like... Uh, Pharrell with Hans Zimmer with Spider-Man 2, you know, kind of put in put in those little touches, but yeah. Uh there might there might be something with that, but I di- I did also write that down of like, yeah, it is interesting that like John didn't score it, but he had someone else do it. And it's rare that John lets someone else like score his movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I think he'd recruited one of the best composers at the time and yeah. wanted a certain vibe for for a different kind of film. And I think it really fits. There has to be an interview somewhere with him talking about that specifically. Probably. Because I could see it being like a he had like a reverence for him and it was like, I have the opportunity to work with you. Like, yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. I don't know. Though. Probably. Or maybe so, the studio or something. I don't know. Yeah. So I also wanted to talk about how hilarious yes. the thing is. because I mean, obviously, we're kind of like fresh off this amazing theater experience but dang people i mean we were laughing a lot oh yes talk about Kurt uh, Russell's hat <laughs> yeah i mean you gotta say your line uh, oh yeah first goddamn week of winter <laughs> 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 because when he said that i was like damn that's how i feel every year around like january <laughs> i'm like god damn 
this sucks so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was really funny with, I mean, Kurt Russell obviously has, I mean, he's just. The charm. I love, he, yeah, he's got so much charisma. Got the riz. But there were a lot of things about this movie that were funny that didn't really have anything to do with him. And I think a lot of it was other people playing off of him. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think about the scene where they're tied up on the couch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're trying to like basically i think we should just say it now the premise of the thing is like this entity infiltrates their camp in antarctica and it takes the shape of everything that it you know in anything any living organism it can take that shape of and so they're basically trying to figure out who among them <laughs> is the thing (laughs) and so if you've ever played the among us game it's basically that it's trying to find the imposter uh and it could be any one of them at any point because it's like a very contagious thing um so they're sitting on this couch and they they've tied up the suspects and basically they're going to test their blood and if they're you know if they're lighting the blood on fire then the blood's gonna react and it's gonna that's how we know that you're the thing yeah and they find out that one of them is the thing like while two other people that aren't are still tied to the couch (laughs) and the way that they react is so fun just just complete horror um and then there's the scene where like he like he tests the blood of this one person and well it's basically after that guy has died or they have they've killed it essentially and then he like finds out that one of the guys is not it and so he's like get me off this couch get me off this couch right now get me off this couch and like it just cuts to them um standing essentially behind kurt russell and like holding the blowtorch like they don't want to be anywhere near the couch and every time that it cuts like the editing in this scene is so good because every time that it like cuts from okay your blood is good to like nobody says anything and then it just cuts to a shot of another person standing behind kurt russell yeah everybody was just laughing it's (laughs) so like and that was the thing that like nothing needs nothing needed to be said it was just very physical no it is it's like it's like perfect editing that scene is like is like perfectly (laughs) edited to be like as impactful as as possible comedically yeah. like that that, that also, cut right there but also horrifically yeah because it's doing two things at once it's mm-hmm. it's very funny but it's also very tense very tense yeah. and because at any moment the thing can just try to protect itself and attack yeah. but like the juxtaposition between those two emotions just works so yes. well like honestly that's probably my favorite scene of the entire movie yeah it was great and i just think that humor and horror have to work together yeah they have to yeah that's what makes the best horror films in my opinion is it can't just be you know jump scares and it can't just be tense horrific things happening all the time like there has to be because otherwise it's not real (laughs) yeah which is why i love you know cloverfield a Mm -hmm. lot you know like 
uh, to kind of go back to that conversation we had a couple weeks ago, uh, just like, you know, you know they're ha- they have to work in tandem with each other. And I think that's what makes this movie work very well. Yeah. Because the humor is always there while you are also terrified. Yeah. So. Yeah, do you want to say anything else about that? Um, With that scene, like, yeah, like, I do agree that the editing and even the tension building is great of the fact of they don't even agree with McCready because they found the piece of clothing that's ripped yeah. up with his name on it. But he's just the one with the flamethrower. So they're like, well, mm-hmm. we can't. <laughs> we can't. And the stick of dynamite, which is so funny, him with this yeah. dynamite. But then <laughs> when he uh, tests the blood, he tests them on the two people that are already dead one that he shot mccready kurt russell's character already shot and the other person that died the doctor and when it gets to the one that got shot the one that you uh, the red herring that is supposed to be the thing it doesn't do anything and they even look to kurt russell like so now what you're a murderer like like yeah. like what happens if like yeah. none of us are the thing like are we just gonna lock you up like like what happens you know yeah and, and, and it's not until it. like yeah and it's not until they get to the one guy and he becomes the thing that 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 plan like their thought process of that even just goes out the window because they're like oh shit <laughs> like, like this thing's here now so yeah, yeah like it's just a great like building blocks that they keep that keep adding like with with that with that scene yeah yeah also i do like that at the beginning of that scene like at the beginning of that scene you don't even realize like we don't even know if the blood test is going to work it's like yeah. purely him speculating. Uh-huh. And so you don't know until they actually see the thing. And they wait until like, is it the third or fourth test where it actually works? It's like maybe the fourth. Yeah. So it's like half. It takes a little bit. Yeah. Like half of that scene but is pure tension because you have no idea. It's like, is everybody safe or is yeah. this just not working right. as well? Exactly. Yeah. But then, yeah, when it works, the thing like reacts yeah and it's It's terrifying i was like oh shit (laughs) (laughs) so um i want to talk about i want to talk about the dog the dogs plural um great dog acting oh it's it is impressive i mean like how good it is really really good I, i don't know what they did yeah i mean honestly i haven't seen dog acting like this ever well fun fun fact they're not do- no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> okay, they're not dogs they're just they're Puppets. just the thing <laughs> no no i was gonna dogs, say that they're people in dog costumes i was gonna say the, yeah. the special effects artists were like man how can we get these dog actors and he's like well i'm already doing these special effects with these other things like we could just you know make a fake <laughs> dog no, fake I'm just messing with you. <laughs> no they're actually real dogs and they yeah. uh specifically the main dog which is spoiler at the beginning is the thing um doesn't miss a mark yeah just i mean which is so daunt yeah so daunting of like when it gets into the kennel and it just stays like it has that shot of like where it's just stares down the barrel like looking down the barrel of the camera like it's not even like looking at the dogs and like it's just so ominous like it feels like it feels like the terminator yeah (laughs) and i have to admit because i am really not good at watching animals you know die or get hurt in media i i did 
have my shirt over my eyes for a lot of that sequence of the kennel because mm-hmm. it lasted a long time and i was like jesus christ like put these things out of their misery like yeah. it is so sad because <laughs> well, it's like it's that and then the the chest the the chest burst scene are like yeah. the money well that and then the the head one are like the money shots because yeah. it's just like they spent so much time you know you can tell like they spent so much time on that special effects of like the dog turning really? into the thing and it's so yeah it looks so yeah. cool really <laughs> incredible special effects mm-hmm. and when it's face it's it's face peels open like a banana yeah like yeah bro <laughs> you know i Whoa. like i can't get this image out of my head towards the end when they're in the cave or like not the cave but like they're in the underground under yeah. underground the tunnels when, the engine when room. And I don't really know these people's names, but when the thing kind of like creeps up on them and he sticks his fingers inside of his like face. Oh, yeah. And basically kind of like morphs his hand into his head and kind of drags him across the floor. I was in shock at how real that looked. Yeah. And it's like it's like. Like, it's perfect. Yeah, it's just it's so it's so incredibly well. And my and our friend Cassidy was sitting next to me and at that point she was like, What is happening? Like mm-hmm. this is crazy. <laughs> um <laughs> and everybody was like, What? <laughs> but um yeah, I just uh the special effects, crazy. I mean, I think that has been said for the last forty years. Yeah, yeah. I think because... I think the creature design is amazing, especially comparing yeah. it to the original thing from Another World. It's just a uh, alien. So the thing that they discover. Yeah. So the original, it's st- like all these are based on a novella that is written. Um, but with the original, the fifties version, it's just like an army base basically, and it's basically like the army versus scientists, where the scientists want to test on this gray. But then the army's like, no, we should kill it because it's from like it's trying to kill us. And it's kind of like Cold War paranoia like that whole movie's about. Um, But like the thing itself is just a, it's just like Frankenstein's monster. Like it's just an alien dude. It doesn't turn into anybody. It's none of that. It's just them trying to kill this one thing. And so it is interesting to like get to John Carpenter's the thing. And his twist on it is that it's like we said, like it's this, it is an alien because they when they go to the Swedish outposts, they see that they found the spaceship and all that kind of stuff. But it is They're this Norwegian. like weird. It the, the, the it's like this weird organism that it's, that it's not it's not what we prescribe as like an alien. And yeah. that and that's so cool about John Carpenter's the thing. Yeah, and I just think that Ridley Scott's 1979 Alien is an incredible pairing with this. Yeah, with everybody kind of stuck on a craft and there's something killing everybody killing everybody yeah uh and you have to find the thing that's killing everybody and kill it before it kills you um but i do think it's funny that you just said sweden <laughs> because it's oh, norwegian yeah. <laughs> but like well, they, i i said i said that's i said swedish because i just russell's bit yeah that's well kurt that's russell's, kurt russell's brit but also yeah. in the original they they ask, is it Swedish? And they're like, no, it's probably Russian. So I just, like, I literally just got done watching that original one. So that's yeah, why I kind of said But I just that. thought Sorry. it was funny that you said, no, yeah. I don't, I think, I thought it was a great little segue into 
Yeah. That being hilarious because he kept saying the Swedes, are we at war with the Swedes? And <laughs> yeah. they're like, they're Norwegians, I think. And it was just funny that like they couldn't get it right. And it was mm-hmm. just this bit the whole time. And then you said Sweden again. And I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> so um, I also wanted to get into editing and cinematography. Honestly, I mean, all of those things are top notch, but Maybe I think we should have a conversation actually about the um, the ending and just kind of okay. our thoughts on the ending. Okay. Because I, I just, it's very intriguing. Mm-hmm. We have, if you haven't watched this movie, we're definitely spoiling it. So yeah. too bad. Go watch it and then come back and listen. Um, But we basically have Kurt Russell and Keith David. Oh my god, and like the best child. final two ever. Yeah. <laughs> the best final two ever. Um alive at the end of this thing after Kurt Russell has blown up. Yeah. So specifically, um they're the they're in the they're in the underneath underground dungeon room. Is that what you engine room or engine du- room. dungeon room? Engine. engine room <laughs> you dungeon. said dungeon um no engine i mean to be fair it is kind of a dungeon but so they're yeah. in the engine room and then the thing um the thing starts attacking and so the i'm, I'm forgetting their names already mccready and the, um what's the other guy i name? just used their actor name basically Keith basically the other guy yeah well no basically Kurt Russell's whole plan is to blow up the base because he realizes that fire affects the thing. So he's like, yeah. we have we have no other option because no help is going to come to us because there's still, I think, 14 or something days before our rescue will ever show up and stuff. So like, we can't wait this thing out. So we might as well try to kill it. So his big plan is just to blow up the, the, the whole base. And so he's setting dynamite and all that stuff around the base with another character. And when he does that, that character ends up getting picked off by the thing and then Uh the thing attacks kurt russell yeah so so... it attacks kurt russell he makes it out blows up Mm -hmm. the thing and then basically kind of lays down yeah and And they've been separated and they've been separated the whole time throughout this entire climax basically uh earlier on they see keith david's character kind of like fleeing and then they see the power go out so they just assume oh like he's the thing and mm-hmm. basically they have to go find okay so i don't want to like confuse anybody but like they the, the see important him part early. is the they important... they're like keith uh uh kurt russell does the final fight by himself by himself and so as far as he knows he's the only person alive uh-huh. and then he yes. sees keith david yeah and they just kind of have this conversation it's an, it's it's a very interesting way to end this movie Mm -hmm. in my opinion and that's why i wanted to talk about it but they sit down and keith david his character like sits down and at this point it's just two people and they're they have this conversation about like should we try to you know escape and kurt russell's like i don't think we deserve to live for a lot of reasons but we Mm -hmm. shouldn't make it out yeah maybe this should be the end of us um they're probably gonna freeze to death out there anyway yeah because like they don't have anywhere to go they don't have any i mean they've blown up the entire encampment yeah um and then keith david's character like 
drinks some booze. Yeah. And that's kind of like the ending. Yeah. And it's just done. And it's just like the thing and credits roll. And so I want to talk about this because I'm sure in the last 40 years, there's been a conversation about what this ending means. And I have not been a part of that conversation because I haven't seen it. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, yeah, I guess like Connor, since you've seen this movie a lot, a lot, probably what's your take on this ending? So, yeah, the theory is, is that one of them is the thing. Yeah. Um, people, people speculate that one of them, either some people side that Keith Davis is the thing. Some people side that Kurt Russell's the thing. My biggest takeaway is that that defeats the purpose of one of them's the thing. They're both human. That the horror and the tra- that that's basically the horror and the tragedy of it. The ending doesn't work otherwise because it's two humans dying in the snow because they can't trust each other. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's that's what works so well about that ending. Yeah. Uh, I, I had that feeling as I left mm-hmm. of I think they're both human. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was. That's kind of what I was thinking. I'm like, I, I do. I, I agree with you, Connor. I think it is. I think it is significantly more impactful at the thought of them both being humans. But it is like we can't we can't in good faith leave here knowing that one of us could possibly be the thing and then spread it because like also when you when they go and look at the other base at the beginning of the movie it's it's, like clearly this is exactly what happened at the other base just happened like they blew up the other base before they left yeah or at least like tried to burn it down but even if one of them is the thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) i just i just have this feeling like if one of them is the thing the whole purpose of it is to survive. Yeah. And so it's not going to just freeze out there. It's mm-hmm. going to go find something else, but everything's dead. So yeah, I guess like even if even if one of them is the thing, there is no way to survive. There's no way out. Yeah. Once it goes Unless... and finds like a penguin or something. Are they in the north are they in the north pole or the south pole? <sighs> I thought they were in Antarctica. I thought south pole. They're in the north. North pole? Is it the north pole? Yeah, well, the original, it's the North, so I figured if he would at least keep that. I kind of figured maybe that's what's in the book. Interesting. Because yeah. all it says is Antarctica, so. In remote Antarctica, a group okay, of so American we're... research scientists are disturbed at their base camp. So they're at the South Pole. So it's the South Pole. So there there uh-huh. might be some living things. But, but yeah. still, that's not the point. <laughs> no, it's not the point. Yeah, we're trying to find like loopholes that don't really. Yeah. No, think... if, if one of them's the thing and if it does try to survive, it would just do what it originally did when they crash landed. It would just freeze and be in a block of ice. Because if you don't remember, that's when they go to that other outpost and see the wreckage and stuff. They... There's this block of ice and there's like something that came out of that. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And, and that yeah. is because they, they find the. Because they find they find the That's thing right. in the block of ice, and then when they go to the other base, they find the hole where they cut the block of ice out of. Okay. Yes. Okay. No, I. But so I, do think I would it's... just assume if if one of them was the thing, the thing would just freeze and then just wait until something uncovers it, like the you know the Ark of the Covenant or something, and yeah. it just feed yeah. from there. But like I'm saying, like that kind of defeats the purpose of the paranoia and the horror that is yeah. like you know every worst you know the the biggest monster is man so. yeah because you can't trust each other 
Yes. And that's that's tough. Um, yeah. They have that conversation. Well, I guess like Kurt Russell has that conversation kind of to himself. He's like recording. He's like recording a tape, something like that. Mm-hmm. And nobody trusts anybody now is something that he says. And I just think that kind of makes way for an interpretation of this movie of a, a social commentary a social commentary that yeah. w- could be had of this movie of humanity and the way we treat the unknown and yeah. not trusting yeah and things like that so that could be an interpretation as well but other than that i mean the thing is a very good movie it's so good. I was gonna say my uh my 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 petty loophole question that really doesn't make a difference is do we have a do we have a poll on whether or not we think drinking alcohol would make would hurt the thing because it's a mild poison? <laughs> <laughs> so like because they both drink alcohol at the end of the movie and neither one of them turns into anything. So is that is that your basically your I don't clue I don't well, there's there's the thing that like there's the shot where like uh the one guy that's on the couch cuz yeah, I forget like their names, but the one guy that's on the couch has been the thing when the one guy turns into the spider head and he's mm-hmm. the one that called out that that thing is a spider head. Where he's like, "What the, you know, mm-hmm. what the hell?" And people <laughs> pointed out like before like if like you know, the thing should protect itself, but it is like at this point, like it's such a strange organism that it's it, it mimics this person that it starts to believe that it's that person. Right. And I think that's what's yeah. also like the horror of that. So I don't know if it's like yeah. anything like that. There is like a kryptonite like weakness for this thing it's because it's imitation. just like yeah. It it just constantly is moving and driving, <laughs> going on to the next thing. Yeah, it's an imitation of a person. Yeah. So there's. It's almost kind of like an AI discussion of yeah. like, can you actually recreate another person's image and their consciousness, or is there always something that's you're that's falling short? Yeah, because you can't truly imitate another person. Now, with something else that I thought was really something else that I thought was really good, kind of kind of in the same vein with the editing, is. Um, the amount of like visual like there's there's multiple scenes where it relies like heavily heavily on visual storytelling like specifically when the doctor is running the like test of how this thing could possibly replicate on the computer and it is that that whole like shot is just this like (laughs) super low bit animation on the I computer put, screen of these two cells bumping into each other mm-hmm. and then early tech is so funny mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah and i'm like this is like this is so cool it, like we're getting so much out of this and at the same time when you're looking at it it's like it's so it's so little right yeah, yeah. but like it's everything you need to know is there yeah and to that point there's another sequence like that where at the very beginning before before we even get the dog no maybe it is 
after we get the dog. But it's towards the beginning. Kurt Russell's playing chess. The video chess. (coughs) Yeah. Excuse me. He's playing chess on the computer. And what's the point of that? You know, it's Mm -hmm. to show who this guy is. Yeah. And what this guy's going to do to win. Yeah, he just destroys the actual computer itself yeah. when when he's like, mm-hmm. yeah. when he's like, God damn it. Cheating bitch. Like, he lost. Yeah. So I'm just going to kill the computer. Yeah. Um, yeah called it the cheating bitch. He can't, he yeah. can't win, so he blows everything up. <laughs> exactly. And so. Just like the movie. That was a very good foreshadowing <laughs> yeah. of the rest of the events of the film. So I think we're all. I did like. Very, very much high on this movie. What yeah, speaking speaking of the chess scene, I did write. I'm like, cause cause I was like, I thought that was funny. I said, man, I'm like calling it a cheating bitch. I'm like, if only the if only the scientists in 2001 did the same thing to Hal. <laughs> Just like, oh, you know what's funny? Blow him up. Yeah, no, for real. <laughs> Sorry, like, what were you after- gonna say? Well, just like after after Hal beats him in chess, like if only like that one character was like "fuck you," <laughs> just yeah. like unplugs Hal, yeah, <laughs> just like punch him in the face. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would have been a very be different movie. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, um, it is funny because it, it is like it, it's got the same chess scene, or not the same, but it's uh, like two thousand one also has the chess scene. But then also the scene where they get they get into the ski do to like talk over their plan just the two of them like separate from everybody oh yes that's yeah. i was like this reminds me so much of the pod scene from 2001 2001 yeah from, yeah they're trying uh, to hide hell. from hell yeah interesting so a lot of like uh what's the word like influences there yeah, yeah. for sure Very and then cool. the last the last thing i'll say is uh so yeah so there's the original then there's this one the 2011 movie is a prequel to this movie and the way that it's a prequel is that you get to see that outpost what happens yeah. at the outpost um okay so stars, if you're if you're interested in that yourself. yeah uh if you're interested in that that's fine the only downside to that movie is is that they originally shot it with real practical effects and stuff but then the studio was like someone at the studio or something someone intervened and said this kind of looks fake or whatever so then they CGI'd over all of that work. And that's why a lot of people don't like what the movies the because it's a lot of bad 2011 CGI. And they're like, you're kind of defeating the purpose of what John Carpenter's The Thing originally, mm-hmm. like why people like this exactly. movie a lot originally yeah. is because of the special effects. So I haven't seen it since high school. So I don't know like if it's good or bad. I've just kind of had the mindset of like, it's bad because people say it's bad, but People want to check it out. If if that's if that's your interest to see how the dog got to the base, you know, like watch that movie, I guess. Okay. That's interesting. I wonder if somewhere <laughs> hidden away there's a there's a secret cut of that movie without all of the CGI on it. Hopefully. Yeah, release the <laughs> yeah, just, release the like practical the effects cut. cut. Yeah. Where's the practical yeah, really. effects cut of the thing? <laughs> thing people. Uh all right. Um, Freddie, do you have anything else to say about this movie? Uh, you know, I just had a, there's a, there's just a couple little, um, notes of things that I thought were really, that like really stood out to me when we were watching it. Um, there's one cut outside of that whole test sequence that I really like. And that's when they first, when they burn the first person that's turned into the thing, when they're all out in the snow 
and they're like surrounding him and they they burn that guy up um oh. i really thought i really thought it was like I, I like that they cut that scene off before it finishes and they do that a lot at the beginning of the movie where like they're ki- they're killing this fighting this monster and like the scenes just end like they cut like right in the middle of them still fighting and i think it just like sort of subtly like instills that feeling in you that like oh this is not even remotely over it's so not over we're not even going to show a small victory yeah all the way through we're just cutting this scene off we're like right here in the middle of it yeah it was i also abrupt. love yeah i also love that scene too because i wrote down i'm like i i've watched a lot of quarter digitals like vfs artists react and stuntmen react and stuff and it's cool like watching the stuntmen series and knowing like how they basically do like do fire like stunts like that and it's and it's cool yeah. like knowing like the blocking because like when Kurt Russell first lights the guy, and like because the thing is like this like Venus Vi trap type of creature with the head, but in order to like block it so it doesn't look fake like a dummy, you know like a like an actual dude on fire, they have Kurt Russell in front of the guy, so that you can't see like the Venus Vi trap like type of head. And I thought that was so okay. like such a cool like blocking choice. To, to do that so then you can get the real like person like on fire and stuff and like get that like footage and it's just like it's it's crazy like i love i love all that kind of like working and like stuff. editing choices behind that yeah there was one shot that i just was in awe of when they burned the first guy mm-hmm. and then it's basically a it's it's almost aerial like it's definitely pretty high above but it's not quite like a bird's eye it's a wide shot yeah but yeah it's crane an extreme shot if we want to get real technical it's not a crane shot really because so? it's a well crane well to me we can get we can get technical into cinematography but like <laughs> to me a crane shot is moving like it's okay. you're using the crane to like show movement um this one yeah I, but you know exactly what i'm talking about yeah where you see well that that's the shot that cuts off halfway through the whole crew yeah, yeah together kind of just in silence watching this person that they think is the person mm-hmm. die um so yeah it's pretty gorgeous yeah like i was kind of like whoa that's a good shot um, yeah <laughs> just really dark and it's yeah it's beautiful this the shot of kurt russell standing up in the hallway when he realizes the things about to attack attack him at the very end and the camera moves up with With him him. yeah so cool oh i love a good pan Mm -hmm. yeah that was really good so i mean i think i think we should maybe unless you want to add something because i okay this is the this is the last thing here we go superstitious Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes, that was perfect. Yeah, yeah. That was a great song. Needle that was a drop. great needle drop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, while he's cooking, he's yep. like he's in the kitchen cooking, and he's got superstitious, and he's like, "Turn that down!" And he like goes up to it, and he like pretends like he's gonna turn the music down, <laughs> and, and then like, he nope. just lifts his hand up. <laughs> but I turned during intermission. I turned to Freddie, and I was like, "Wow, what a great use of superstitious." Oh yes, because yeah. it really fits the vibe mm-hmm. and the 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 messaging here. So, all right, Connor, do you have anything else you want to add? Um, let me think if there's anything in my notes. 
I mean, oh, I, I guess a funny thing I wrote down was, or thought of, was, like, a lot of the humanoid, like, thing creatures, like, when they kill them, and especially, like, when they bring the one into, like, the autopsy room, and they're like, okay, Doc, like, time to, you know, cut cut into this one. I was like, it, it almost looks like the weird creaturenoid things in Spy Kids. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why I had that thought. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It looks like Fugue's, like, I forget what that guy's name is, but, like, looks like one of his, like, weird, you know, little toys that Judy was playing with in Spy Kids. Oh. Like, a lot of, like, a lot of the weird, like, because, like, you said, like, the banana peel, like, effect and stuff. Like, it's just, like, maybe Robert Rodriguez just really likes the thing. Probably. Like, like, on something. Probably. (laughs) Probably. I I feel like... We'll have to wrap it up here. I feel like I could talk about this forever. And I just remember the noose shot with the doctor when yeah. they cut and it's like what Uh-oh. a shot when they just do the reverse shot and it's him with the noose right next to his head through the hole through the hole in the door yeah and yeah. it's like a frame within a frame yeah because they're looking it's actually like behind kurt russell a frame within but a frame within a frame looking through mm-hmm. the hole in the door and the the, the shot is just the, oh man it's mm-hmm. very good that's a good one too yeah but yeah that's a very but that's good, I, I love that one that's pretty much it i i, I wrote right. down Let's wrap it up so we don't blabber on about this movie. But um, Connor, I'll start with you. Yeah, what do you think I about think, this movie and your rating? Yeah, I think the movie is amazing. It's obviously a classic. I don't know when I remember first watching it, but like since then, like I've seen this. Yeah, like count, countless of times. This is definitely a movie I watch either around this time or closer to December because of the whole Antarctica setting and vibes it, it gives that like vibes of, of like winter but other otherwise like yeah this is just like a certified classic like it, it's so it's so good it's so amazing like if you haven't seen it you have to see this movie like it's it's great and yeah it's a 10 out of 10 like an easy 10 out of 10 for me all right so a 10 out of 10 from sea yeah. bear uh five stars on letterbox i'm assuming Okay, yep. Freddie, what do you think about this movie? What's your rating? Um, I I wish I wouldn't have waited so long to see this, mm, but I, I did have way. such a good time getting to see it for the first time at the Redford. Um, but I also gave it a five out of five. I had such a good time. Like, man, this movie—it's <laughs> like so good, and it's not—it's wow. like just on so many levels. I'm like, this is this is great. This okay. is a really solid movie yeah. all around. It's, it's, yeah. So I'll go into my rating. <sighs> it's solid. It's very scary and very funny. Mm-hmm. And on top of all of that, crafted so well. There isn't, I thought long and hard about mm-hmm. my rating. Like I thought a lot because I was like, am I really going to give the thing five stars and put it in my all-time favorite movies like am i really doing that uh but it's been five days and i can't find a single thing wrong with this movie like i can't so there it is five out of five stars (laughs) so that's it uh we did it we finally found and all three of us agree but 10. this is a 10 out of 10 movie. 10 out of 10. 
Certified <laughs> five out of five, ten feature. out of ten. I gotta buy it on. D- I gotta buy mm-hmm. it. I gotta put it in my so, physical collection. Oh yes. Where this is the uh, it, um, my my letterbox extra. What's the what is the craziest fanciest version of this movie I can buy? Right. Um, I need it. <laughs> is there the a craziest... Criterion collection? <laughs> yeah, the craziest would it. be the Arrow video release, Ooh. which is discontinued. So oh, man. if you can find a copy of, of that out there, then yeah. Otherwise, it's in 4K. Um, yeah. So I think like yeah, right. the the best version to get it would be like the 4K disc. Yeah. Yeah. So I I held off a little bit on giving it a rating, but I mean I just couldn't talk myself into a four and a half. I <laughs> it was it was a it was a it was a five for me. Yeah. So there we go. All three of us really love the thing the thing um so out of the three films that we've watched connor you've given tens to two films pretty you've given tens to two films yep and i've given 10 to one of them so that's our at least that's our spooky october winner of of the of the month and we will um yeah we will be talking more about you know all three of these sort of together next Working in the next episode in tandem yeah so yeah. stay tuned for that we're going to be talking about you know how it works as a triple feature we'll discuss it a little bit more and then we are going to be talking about killers of the flower moon which me and emma are about to go see like immediately after we finish recording this. in about half an hour <laughs> yeah we're gonna go see martin scorsese's newest film killers of the flower moon which is about the it's a true crime thriller mm-hmm. about the Osage murders that took place in the 1920s. Um, is it Osage? Yep. Yeah, because I've yep. heard some people mispronounce it, and I was like, I think it's Osage. Yeah, it's Osage. Yeah. Um. So with that, look for our audience. Look forward as to well. watching it. Yeah, for our audience as well. If you want to be up to that conversation, because we are definitely going to be spoiling the movie next episode so you have to see this in theaters it does not come out to apple tv plus until december so unless you want to wait till december and then listen to that episode you can do that or but don't do that uh go to don't do that because i know emma (laughs) wants everyone to go to the theaters but i'm just letting the audience know that in case (laughs) that they don't have the funds or don't have the time to go when this movie is readily available for people Yep. So obviously, go see it. That will be our main discussion next yeah. week. That will be like the yes. primary discussion next week. We'll have a little short discussion about our triple feature for October. And then we will spend most of the episode talking about this film. We're going to do one new release a month. Yeah. Uh, and then we will also introduce our next theme for the month of November next week as well. Yeah. I so, have a feeling that. I have a feeling that there, there we will. I think I'm gonna have a lot to say about this movie. I think Freddie's gonna have a lot excitement. to say about this movie. I'm like, <laughs> also, uh, we're I've heard see. I've heard some some interviews from a couple of members of the Osage yeah. Nation. Same. So, so I'm, like, I'm oh. a little. <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get in more into that next week, but just uh, <laughs> stay tuned for that because it will be. It will be an in-depth discussion, so prepare for spoilers. Read the book if you uh, Ugh, the book so is choose so good. to read the book beforehand. 
or and at the very least uh, see the movie and if you don't care about any of that you know what i'm more power to you we appreciate you for supporting the podcast <laughs> if you've yes, made it this far into the pod- podcast we really appreciate you uh, please follow us on instagram if you aren't already triple feature pod that's where we uh you know tell you about what we're talking about and that's where announcements will be and such but yeah <clears throat> also like and subscribe to our podcast and rate us five stars if you like us if you don't like us move on and share <laughs> share the podcast oh, yeah. as well to friends family share us. anybody people in the grocery store yep. yeah hey have you heard this podcast triple future yeah Go listen it to it it's on spotify spread the words it's on spread apple the good podcast news. <laughs> it's on audible yeah it's on youtube <laughs> what? all right guys what else is it <laughs> Uh, a fireside it's on fireside there yeah. we go <laughs> well it's been lovely um, chatting with y'all about the thing and spooky movies this month so anyway we will see you next week alright thank you okay, bye. see you next week bye, bye. bye.